Nick's Nick's opinions on some of these, I was laughing a lot. Why? Well, because it's you. It's true. It's just like so true that it's like kind of you know made me laugh. I'm like, wow, he's so right. I just never thought of it that way. <laughs> oh, wow, I can't wait to get into this. I don't know, you know. Don't plan. Don't plan too much. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Living that one. <laughs> We'll have a debate on that one because I, I I think even when you're not planning, subconsciously you plan. Wow. Oh, gets me thinking a little bit. Hey guys, welcome to the Better Building Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Ferrier, and here with me today is Nick Taliska, Jim DePasquale, and Mark Sankey. In today's podcast, we will be switching gears a bit and discussing best business practices. So we thought this would be a nice uh, change of pace and give you guys, our listeners, some insight into our top six best business practices. And that sounds like that list may get longer as we uh, go throughout the podcast. To, To get things started off, we'll start with number one on our list. And I think we can probably all agree that number one is answer the phone. Now, for what reason we may have a little bit of <laughs> disagreements, maybe we can all probably all agree on everything, but um, answer the phone. Why? Why is that on the top of the list? Mm. For me, because I used to not answer the phone always. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, I don't know. And, and from my perspective, I think it was a lot of. Uh, you know, I work with a number of different people, and so it was more of a out of trying to manage my time better, which might be the wrong perspective to have when you're a consultant. But maybe it was getting so out of hand that I just felt like I can't just take, you know, a call in the middle of something and get into a 45 minute discussion with somebody, and then the whole day just kind of gets unraveled. And so I think that's at least where my thought was: is that sometimes when I don't answer the phone, it leads to a voicemail which leads to me taking a note to call somebody back. I call them back. Maybe they're not there. I leave a voicemail. Then we're back to where we started. Them just, you know, leaving an open-ended invitation to call me anytime. (laughs) And and again, that's how it has to work sometimes, but... Right. Something simple that could have been addressed right away. You're saying now you've decided, okay, I need to answer the phone because this could be a three-minute conversation that we can address right away instead of waiting four days of back and forth and then forgetting a day or two and then calling again. And, you know, here we are four days later, finally touching base. Oh, absolutely. And it's yeah. it's up to me to answer the phone and say, hey, Fred, I don't have time to talk about this right now. Can we schedule a time? Or, you know, sometimes it's just a two-minute thing and that's fine. Right. It's perfect. I would have never thought of it in the like the the time saving realm of answering the phone, which is an interesting perspective. But it's you know more often than not, you're probably true. Just answer the phone and get it done and move on. Why? What do you think of? Well, I, when we say answer the phone as yeah. a t- t- number one, I, I think you know uh, incoming potential business. I suppose. Yes, that is probably the smart way to think of it. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I'll tell you firsthand. Uh, at least up until a couple of years ago, the single largest job I ever got was because of a phone call from an unknown, unrecognized number from a guy that I've known for a long time that, I mean, it resulted in a, a, an enormous project, a, a really big project. But nowadays, 
we, we have a pretty substantial client base. And if somebody calls me, generally it's because either their time is scarce and they don't want to get into an email string, uh, string or they have a real emergency. So if I don't answer the phone, it gives a competitor an opportunity to take my place with my customer. Hey, there's a problem with blah, blah, blah system. Yep. What should I do? If I don't answer the phone, because it's a phone call, this guy, whoever it is, guy, girl, woman, may be calling somebody else because they need help right now. So I don't want that. I want VS Energy to be the team they can count on. And, you know, even if I'm on the phone and it goes to voicemail, immediately get the voicemail and, and respond to it. That is clearly the professional, responsible way to look at things, Mark. I agree, and Clayton. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I like your I like your uh, thought process too. It's a different perspective, yeah. but it's true. I mean, you know, I, it, I was at a point when I think I came up with this rule where, yeah, I had plenty of business, and even if somebody called with something new, I couldn't even help them. Right. And it was all existing clientele, but and then maybe like smatterings of you know, telemarketers right. and. I don't know how to get off that list, but the worst feeling in the world is for somebody to call you from like the association and you got to tell them, I don't do this. You know, I don't, I don't give money over the phone. I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of doing something, you know, and yeah. Oh, I understand, sir. Well, you know, good luck. And it's just, I feel horrible too, but no, I do that too though. And I just explain to them. Yeah. Sorry. Send me some information. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So, so yeah, now we're always doomed though to, you know, answer the phone to those, um, people calling about your extended cars warranty and stuff, you know, Oh, that's, uh, that's, yep, that's never done. ending. Yeah. I like the calls though. And I do take them sometimes from the, uh, utility rate, uh, brokers <laughs> and, and the, who, who portend <laughs> to lecture me on the value of, you know, Hey, here's why you should go with a broker and blah, 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 and and give me the schooling about here's what your utility rates are. And here's, you know, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, You called the wrong guy this morning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let me call the wrong guy. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I like it. Answer the phone. Goes a long way for anything. I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, even me on my little small problems in just my personal life, of whatever you you know you call a business and they don't answer call the next one on the list of google or whatever you know so it makes a difference and you, i see it yeah. in my in my own experiences as well doing it from the other end so well and and the other side of it is there are times when it's not a hugely urgent matter but if it takes two days for somebody to return my phone call or sometimes yeah. a week or sometimes yeah. not at all yep that is basically uh, no response on my RSVP for business. Yeah, that I'm is okay the, with that. That's the, the easiest and fastest indicator in my book to say no, you're not interested. Well, that's uh, yeah. It's what is it foreshadowing how business may go in yeah, the future with them, right? It's the first experience with them is a late or a no call. Can't, I'm not going to do business with them. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm. Uh... I'm scared to contribute to this question after Mark's like perfectly professional <laughs> and reasonable <laughs> response. Um, you know, I I would say I'm I'm pr- 
pretty much, I agree with what Mark said, but in reality of what, just the way I operate, um, I do, there's times I just have to block out yeah. like a full yeah. hour or two where I can't have interruption. It depends mm-hmm. on the project I'm working on. And since I wear, you know, I'm a one man shop and I wear different hats, you know, I don't have someone filtering out those. Calls. It's just a tough call. Um, it's, especially some of these abstracts, you know, when you're doing energy modeling or you're trying to fit some of the different design tasks that are really take, like it, it may take you half an hour to an hour to complete a thought. And if there's an interruption during that time, even though it may be a 30 second phone call, it might wipe out that whole hour or two. I'm not saying every day like right. is like that or every hour, you know, there's just times where I do have to block that out. But to Mark's point, if the, if I do block out an hour or two, I'm checking my missed calls and voicemails and immediately getting back. You know, I'm not waiting right. days or right. weeks to get back to people. I'm going to try to get back to you within an and hour. And a lot or of two. times, especially if it's a known number and I know who it is, my response is, That's "Is this an thing. emergency? I'm in the middle of something." And they'll text back, "No, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever it is." Maybe yeah. yes. In which case, okay, I can justify. You know, put my bookmark where it needs to be and drop everything and at least respond. Yeah. Oh, you see VS Energy pop up, you know, you drop it. <laughs> I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I feel better now, Jim, because you're right. I mean, that's a huge part of it, too, is, is to focus. And, you know, sometimes that can be uh, taken away from with even a simple phone call. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the best way to do it and i think i can get better with that to, to mark's point but then again it's not like i'm completely on the other end you know i'm not going days or weeks without getting back to people it's just <clears throat> there are times when i'm like you know what i have to block out an hour or two with zero interruptions and just get through it because that's just the way you know i'm a sole proprietor and sometimes i have to put on my you know design and engineering hat Yep. and not have any interruptions because I'm working on a, a very complicated task that, you know, it, it, maybe it's just me, but if I get an interruption on some of those more nuanced tasks, it could wipe out an hour or two. So I I agree completely. Yeah, with that. definitely. And, you know, for, for where we're saying answer the phone, I think that completely falls within the realm of whatever we'd consider acceptable, obviously. I mean, right. you know, yeah, yeah, answer the phone, but if you're busy – call right back yeah. i mean let people know yeah absolutely yeah yep so i like it good insight so number two on our list i don't know if this is like the second most important i just i know i wanted to place answer the phone at the top of the list um for me personally number two i thought was was really interesting how it got on our list but again it was it's true it's true be brief <laughs> and you know, what we have here is, you know, whether you are writing an email or talking to someone, brevity reigns supreme. And I was like, damn, it's true. But again, something I don't like often think about when I'm, you know, on my day-to-day tasks and stuff. But but I have found myself going towards that, you know, in the in the years I've been doing this is my emails have become much more brief and to the point and I'm not adding the fluff. Uh, you know, I don't just get to it and move on. And I don't know. I'll let you guys add to that. 
<laughs> I think the more that you put, you know, when I when I was in high school, I was a really good creative writer. You know, great use of adjectives and you know, painting a picture, blah blah blah. I love creating writing, creative writing, and my uh, English teacher at the time, you know, said you really have a career in this. So in 30 years, that hmm. skill set has gone away, like done, no more. So the more you use adjectives and try and explain something, many times all that does is open the subject for interpretation. Don't do that. Right. It, you know, you can draw an analogy. You can, you know, if you can draw it clearly and without a lot of, you know, the sun was shining and the flowers were beautiful, but that stuff needs to go away. <sighs> that, that's interesting, the difference between like a business type of writing. Oh, yeah. All else, all other types. <laughs> well, you know, I, one of the best courses I took um, at college at RIT was technical yes. writing. Yep. And, you know, they just teach you to be concise and it's funny because one of the things they teach you is to write in the active voice, whereas everything, I feel like an engineering drawings is passive. Like oh, that's interesting. To give it, you know, like if you look at engineering drawings, like it'll say, you know, this pump shall be right. installed. You know, it's passive, whereas an active voice would be like install this pump, like much more brief yep. and efficient. Um. But yeah, you, you know, in an email, your emails, if you're sending an email, it shouldn't be a novel. It should be a few sentences communicating a concise point, you know, otherwise, you know, it's, you're not using that medium correctly. Yeah. Well, and you're, you're not using anyone's time efficiently, neither yours nor Correct. the reader. Yeah. Yeah. I think you probably, we probably all know people that, you know, I think of someone in particular that, you know, if I got an email from this person... You know, I knew it wasn't going to be three sentences. And so it was almost like, oh, there's an email from XYZ. Oh, Flag yeah. Flag it. Yeah. Scheduled to read it later because this is going to be a 15 paragrapher <laughs> uh, with lots of adjectives in it. Yeah. And then you kind of lose uh, what is the point? What do you want me to do yep. with this? I mean, that's right. The, you're not reading a novel or some creative writing, you're reading. Yep. some information that you're going to use or a request for mm -hmm. your action. And if it's long-winded, and, you know, I, I'm certainly guilty of that. But, yeah, so that's interesting. Technical writing. So, Jim, they told you, like, don't use adjectives then, right? Like Mark was saying? Um, I don't know. I don't recall if they said don't use adjectives. I just remember the general point was, you know, stay to the point. Be efficient and concise with your writing. Um, you know, make use of, like, simple things like bullets right. when you're... Yep. I mean, simple things like that make it very much uh, easier on the reader. To Focus on the point, and this yeah. is it. Yeah, these three bullet points do whatever. Yeah, exactly. and, and sometimes instead instead of having it strung yeah. out in a paragraph of multiple yep. sentences, you just bullet yep. it out and you know, little things yeah. like that. Well, it's funny. I see these ads for uh, like uh, Grammarly is one of these ones that can help you, yep. you know, write sentences better. And one of these ads I've been seeing. You know, somebody's typing an email and then it pops up and says, hey, that's kind of strong language, you know, or whatever. Like, you know, it may whatever. And I'm thinking, hey, sometimes you do need strong language. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, if I got your attention now, 
okay, yep. well, here's what we need to do. Yep. That sort of thing. So Grammarly, I don't think, would work for a lot of business communication. I feel like the the email um, the email length gets more and more direct with you know time too. You know, once I when I, like I said when I started young, you know, first year in the industry, graduated college, every email I put multiple sentences, and I'm trying to have a little personal touch, whatever. That's all gone now. It's like one sentence, three bullet points. Thanks, done. You know. Well, that's kind of the evolution of it. Sure, it is. Yeah, definitely. And, and we have a few customers, pretty high level guys, and you know, in general, there's a problem. Okay, I give a, here's option A, option B, option C, and semi detailed, a few bullet points on each one. The response is typically something like, "Proceed option B, advise schedule." Period. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's I'm okay all you with need. that. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yep. great. Yeah. What do you guys? What are your thoughts on text messaging? Uh, it's okay, but if there's a uh, contractual impact, if the if there is a you know schedule impact, I prefer to have it in email, just from a. Uh, uh, memorialization yeah. perspective legally. Yeah. It's way yeah. easier to memorialize in an email and when they, you know, I hate to say it, but you get down to um, document production during a legal issue, uh, it's way easier to have them search your, or, you know, turn over your email records versus have to go to, uh, you know, the provider and get all your texts. See, um, not text messaging, not to change the subject. Cause I thought that was a good question, Jim, but like to add on to that, you know, I found myself, uh, using, and maybe this is like obvious or it happens to everybody using my phone more too, though. Like, you know, if I'm out in the, in the field, if you'd call it that, and I get an email, I'm not going to wait four hours till I'm back in front of my computer to respond. So like I use my phone a lot. And when I'm on my phone, obviously those emails are extremely brief because I have, you know, I'm not going to type out a big response on my phone, but, um, you know, that, I don't know, it kind of falls into the be brief category too, and sort of the text messaging thing. Cause you know, you're using your phone, but, uh, yeah, I found myself responding to a lot more emails over my phone, <laughs> um, brief, you know, yes, no, thanks, whatever, move on. So I don't know. That's my little ad. No, and it's interesting because you still communicate and you get the message apart, you know, across. Right. So it's kind of an interesting exercise if you ever write an email and you're, you know, about to send it and you're looking at it and going, okay, still kind of long messages in there, but, you know, can I get rid of half the words here? Yeah. And and sometimes you can, and it's, you know, then you look at it and go, okay, that's much better, much clearer. You don't, you don't lose any you know, necessarily personal flavor you're going after, but... right. As far as text, I resisted that for years with people, but then, I don't know, if your clients are texting you about something, you know, I do obviously respond and everything, but the email is you always the backup, like, okay, here's what we were talking about earlier today. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think you want to have a discussion over text message. The way I look at it is it's... Like if you're meeting someone yep. on site. Oh, absolutely. Or, you know, s- small, quick little communications that you don't really, like Mark said, you don't really, there's no really no need to document and keep a historic yeah. record. Like, please check um, this or whatever. Yeah. I'm here. 
go to here, whatever. Yeah, there's stuff a like problem that. with the pump. Yeah. Let me describe it in detail over the next <laughs> exactly. 72 messages you'll get. <laughs> no, thanks. And I feel like some of the more, you know, maybe some inexperienced, relatively new project managers or, you know, just younger. I just noticed it with some of the younger people in the field, they might just start sending giant text messages like, all right, let's get this an email just so it's easier to deal with, you know, not even for, you know, as like if I had to pull mm. it back up for litigation, it's just it's for an organizational right. aspect. I have all my, you know, my emails are sorted by project. It's much easier just to go to one spot to have all your communications. Yeah. Yep. Oh, especially you know? if you have multiple people on a text string or something. Yeah, you got to yeah. stop. Yeah, I go, oh, okay, hang on. We got a different channel for this. Mm-hmm. It's these millennials. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, maybe that's <laughs> going to trend, you know, to occur more. As time, obviously, as time goes by, I mean, you're phasing out the uh, phone call with text messages too, you know, just with so. everything. I mean, you know. Oh, you talk by the wayside. I mean, what, what will go by the wayside? The the use of emails are it'll all go by the wayside. I mean, I I'm, I'm the last generation that uses cursive for anything. Yeah, Not good for you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, handwritten notes, things like that. Yeah, you know, thank you cards. You know, uh, those kinds of things. But beyond that, no, nobody does it. Well, there, and there, like, there might be something better than email that comes around too, and that's fine. Like, even if the text could, like, we all have the same issue with it. It's like the documentation part of it. So, if that was yeah. solved, then yeah, whatever method you communicate would probably be okay. Well, there's a time and a place, and yeah, it's just I it, I see it trending maybe more with more text messages will happen for sure. Like that, I didn't even think about discussing that, Jim. That was a great, uh, great point to bring up. <laughs> That's what I'm here Thanks, for, Clay. man. <laughs> so moving on, number three, um, and again, I don't know if this is number three in the list. You you know, you listeners can put these where you feel, it where where they land, but. Be right, and um, I I have to say this: be right is important. Well, yeah. Uh, th- this goes back to our earlier podcast on being prepared. So being right is often a function of being prepared, doing the work to be right. Don't hope you're right. Mm. Know you're right. And I, Nick's input on this again was. <laughs> was a little bit of a different thought process than what I originally had with it. So, I mean, but he's correct. Like when you're right, it's quick, easy, done, move on. You know, there, it, it takes time to be wrong. It takes a lot of time to be wrong sometimes. So oh, I like the way you put that. That's funny. Well, well it does, it, it you know, consumes a lot of time. Yeah. To be wrong. Yeah, definitely. Somewhere the time will, you know, show up, not maybe instantaneously, but down the road. If you're wrong, it's going to add time. If it's a design, if it's a whatever, you know. Rework. Rework adds time and money. But then, like, the first thing that came to my mind was, and maybe this is just completely, completely horrible to, like, have this mindset and whatever. But, like, you can be a dick if you're right. Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't know the right word to use yeah, for that, that but came like out of nowhere, wow. that's I mean, I don't know where I heard that. 
or maybe I've heard it multiple places, but like you can be a dick, but you better be right. I think that they taught that in uh, technical communication. Yeah, class. maybe. Oh, maybe gosh, it was, it's funny, Clayton. You might have to bleep it out. <laughs> you can be an asshole, oh, but if you're wrong, you're just an ass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good one. These are yeah. like, this like four bumper stickers you guys just came up with. Yeah. yeah. But it's true. Sure. I mean, like, I don't know. I, you know, and you got it. There's a time and a place for it. But, like, if you're going to be an asshole or whatever, a dick, however, that someone wants to call you, fine. But you better be right. Or else, like Mark said, you're just going to be an ass. And worse, you'll be unemployed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so, I don't know how I feel about that one. Uh, no, I think it allows you to be, you know, hey, this is the way it must be because yeah, yeah. we know or, you know, the facts don't support any other course of action. So, or they might support alternative courses of action that are more more uh, costly or less expedient or whatever it is. but. You know, you can afford to be firm and less compromising Stern. if you know you're right. Yeah. Stern. Stern. Uncompromising. Yeah. Uncompromising. Um, I okay. agree completely. You're confident yeah. that you're right, so therefore, you know, we're not going to go and do this other testing or I'm going to, you know, take a pretty hard, hard position. Yeah. That, you know, this is the right way. Uh, and it's, I know, it's not often just that you're right. You may have a team. The team is right. Correct. We've got the right position here. We've thought it through. Yep. We've done our due diligence. This is the approach. Anything else is probably going to be a waste of time. Yeah. And money. Yeah. And I, I guess I, yeah, I should definitely expand it. Like when I said, you know, be a dick, um, not like you're not insulting somebody, right? Or whatever. It's not like you can be right and you can just go ahead and insult somebody or whatever. But yeah, you can be stern and firm and whatever you want to call it and hold your ground and you're right. Okay. Move on. It's interesting. I like the word uncompromising. Uncompromising. Sometimes you come across people that are uncompromising and maybe the first thought is like, wow, they must really be right. But then sometimes <laughs> I think, no, they could just be being a jerk. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, and you know, to that extent, I, I could be right and I could be uncompromising, but somebody else could also be right. Um, it, it's the, there's sometimes there's multiple ways to do things. Right. So you gotta have a little bit of, you know, um, what's the word? Compromise. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Being right. Doesn't mean you're inflexible. Yeah. Me, right. You know, oh, I believe that is the corollary is that you have to recognize that sometimes you're not right. Yeah. Or there's a better way to do it. Or there's a better way. Yeah. Right. Even though you're correct, you could. There's a better, more efficient, cheaper, whatever way. You know, two people can be right and take different paths to get there. So, okay. Well, I'll, at least we all agree. The goal is we want to be correct. <laughs> yeah, right. I can end the segment on that. If, but, yeah. So, I, yeah, I came off a little strong in the beginning on this little segment of being right. But you get what I'm saying. And hopefully our listeners right do. The eyes. I, I love it. I <laughs> yeah. will always think of that. So, um, yeah, don't be an ass. You're definitely just an ass if you're if you're stern or saying whatever, and you're, and you're wrong. So you better be right because if not, not a good look. 
Oh, that was chock full of little nuggets I've never heard before. (laughs) I could almost put that as like number two on the list if I was going to, you know, put these in order as we're moving along. Definitely deserves to be on a t-shirt at least. Be right. (laughs) There's a new, there's our our next piece of uh, merch or our first piece of merch, whatever you want to be right. Um, So moving on. Uh, another thing on the list, and it, you know, as we say this, it's self-explanatory on on one level, and and I think it goes deeper as we discuss it. But be on time, um, like obviously show up on time to meetings and what have you. But you know, this was put on the list more towards like deadlines and and milestones and goals and stuff like that, right? I mean, that makes a big difference when you say, I'm going to be done with this in three days. You you better be done with it in three days or less. If you're not early, you're late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'll let Mark say it, but I think he's got the perfect um, phrase for this that can fit well in this segment. If, I don't know what it is. Oh, I mean, the over uh, don't overpromise and underdeliver kind of falls into this, right? Time-wise, like that's a big part of over-promising and under-delivering is if you said, yeah, 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 I can get it done in two days and it takes you four, well, you messed up. No, agreed. It's usually not the uh, the quality that's compromised. It's the time. You know, so right. if you told somebody you're going to get A-plus grade product in three days and you deliver it in seven, well, you kind of missed it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree completely. So... I apologize for being late to this call. <laughs> As you're saying it, Nick signed on yeah, late. Irony is uh, just sweeping over me, yes. <laughs> Anything else to add to that one? Pretty straightforward. I don't know if we should move on. I mean, I just it, it's it's obviously an important one to have in the, the top six list of... Oh, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, it goes beyond, like you said, just showing up to a meeting or your dentist appointment. It's... You know, the self-imposed deadlines, too, are the, the worst kind, especially maybe more so if you're in this role where you're the consultant, you know, to a client and you want to, you know, obviously please them and everything. But you need to think through, you know, the things like uh, how fast, you know, when do you need this done as soon as possible. OK, we're going to do this. What does that mean? Tomorrow? No. Next day? Whatever. And you finally work at it. But you got to give that some thought, too and be able to meet those deadlines. I've often heard, this relates to everything, but if you really want to know how how long something will take you to do, ask somebody else to estimate it for you. Like, and I think that goes well for even, I don't know, like a house project. You know, there's been other times that people that are not involved with my project at the house probably have some pretty good insight into that's not going to take you an hour, Nick. That's, <laughs> that's going to take you four hours, and you right. know it. And right. Then you go, yeah, you're probably right. Okay. Yeah. I've gotten pretty good at, um, you know, the the giving timeframes for deadlines. and Well, I mean, yeah, I would like to think I'm really good at it. But giving timeframes for deadlines and doing it, like, it's so easy, though, in a way, too. Like, just do it. I said I'd get it done in two days. Get it done in two days. I mean, I don't know. Like, some of it's not. It's pretty straightforward. Just a, like a lack of effort in a way to, on some regard, not even not understanding what is required for the task. Just maybe that's the key, Clay. Maybe you're a 
better than most at determining like and not just throwing out two days that seems like a reasonable amount of time to do anything you know yeah and actually thinking through you know what else you have going on what kind of roadblocks could you hit but and, then i start at it like the second i can start at it i don't like wait you know if i say three days i don't wait two days to start it you know what i mean Absolutely. And then you get a really good feel like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely on track. Or if you're not, at least you're, you know, three days ahead when you say, okay, this might take an extra day or something because what, I don't know. I mean, not that you want that to happen either, but. Well, the farther like, you are away from a deadline, that's the time to realize. Yeah, I like to. Make the deadline. I like to hit my roadblocks early, early, early in my time frame, not oh, last that minute. That's, that's a good one, too. <laughs> it right helps there. a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes I got to admit I'm bad in the way that like maybe I'll say oh oh no this is this is gonna be really tough it's gonna take me four days and I get it done in a day I mean that's not necessarily bad but you know I'd rather give that kind of time frame and be done early than the opposite I don't know so there's still tuning that can be I done think always yeah I think that's the right way to land on that but sometimes I say oh yeah it'll take four days and I'm gung ho on it till however late and then i'm done in a day and i'm like oh, i guess that wasn't that bad i didn't have to say four days but and honestly this comes into play especially when you're in larger projects with multiple team members and you're in a critical path position that impacts other people's schedules a couple of years ago we were on a two-year project that absolute had a absolute schedule and within the first two months some of the uh, early players were a month behind schedule. Oh. And the, I mean, it was a big deal where, you know, and they would just come to the meeting. Oh, we're, we've slipped a little bit and the budgets changed a little bit. And I'm like, Holy mackerel. This is, this is, has all the, you know, this is a death sentence to the project unless right. somebody can grab this thing and, you know, get it back on track. And we were not in the critical path at that point, but by the end of the project, we were, not in the critical path we were in the crosshairs and it, it's important if you're on a team that the schedule the milestones when you commit to it it's a hard commitment it's not a oh we only have a meeting once a week so we send out minutes the two hours before the meeting from the last meeting and the things that we said we would do oh it's going to move out another week well that's not how projects get done on time and on budget yeah, it's like a ripple effect. And, it's a huge um, ripple. I hate I hate waiting for the wave to hit me when you see it coming too. Oh man, that's so frustrating. Sometimes you're like, man, I just see it. You you just know it's coming. You know, like you said, you're going to be in the crosshairs because somebody missed their deadline and the the time frame can't change. So everyone else has got to pick up the pace to make up for it if you want to end the end on time. You know, hate it. Good imagery. The wave getting ready yeah. to hit me. You yeah, just see you it coming. You, you can't, can't see the tsunami until it's almost on the shore. <laughs> yep, yeah. yep. You know it's coming, and you, you just got to wait. You know, sometimes there's nothing you can do when you're further down. So I don't know. That's but that, and that's why being on time and and that's important because it's not just you, right? It could be many people and further down the road and all that stuff. So yeah, I think critical path or not, I mean. You, you know, nothing's ever really done, even after you get done with your part of it. Oh, yeah. No matter absolutely. what, somebody's doing something else after you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Oh, I can go to, I can sleep well at night knowing that I, I 
said what I did and I did what I said and I'm on time and nobody's waiting for something and I sleep well at night knowing that. <laughs> Very virtuous. Yeah. So <laughs> So the next thing on our list kind of I like it. It's it, it in a way contradicts one of the one of our previous things and that is <laughs> be nice. <laughs> How is it a contradiction? It does, because that contradicts being right. I yeah, it kind of contradicts well, the being right portion. <laughs> I don't think it's true at all. At least Nick's, and, uh, Nick sees it. I don't know. Okay, can carry on. All well, I don't know. I'm joking. No, we, I mean, we talked about There was some intersectionality there between those two items, being right and being yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. of them as completely separate. Okay. And I, I Yeah, I agree. And it's important. I mean... Yeah, you gotta be nice. I mean, I don't know. I had somebody tell nice. me this weekend I am too nice, and not in a business sense, and it made me really reflect. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm too nice, and I don't think it's necessarily true. I will tell you that. And this was on like the soccer field, you know, and uh, yeah. Are you like too nice of a coach or something? You got to be more uh, well, of a. I consider myself more of a uh, soccer consultant. But, uh, yeah, it was related to that, you know, and, like, dealing with the other team, perhaps, and the other coaches or whatever. I don't even know the context, but oh. I never thought of myself as being too nice. <laughs> I, don't, I, I laughed people, a little bit. I think a lot of people interpret uncompromising as not being nice. Yeah, you're right. I, I think, you know, being nice means, okay, if, if you've said something rude, harsh, unnecessarily harsh that's not being nice and in fact requires an apology and you know some contrition it doesn't just because you're right you don't have the you are correct right you don't have the uh authority or the you know yes it doesn't give you reason to be not nice in your delivery and if you do that you you definitely have to apologize and be contrite and try not to do it again and recognize that it's wrong but, you know, just to be a, you know, not nice for the sake of being not nice or think it makes you more effective in any way is not correct. I like, uh, you know, I keep on saying Nick stuff. Like, and our listeners, Nick added a lot to our outline. So that's why, that's why I keep on saying when Nick said this. Um, I've never worked harder for a jerk. And, you know, he's, he's right. It, you know, goes a long way. I mean... I would imagine. I don't know. It's not like I have employees or anything, but God, it has it's to go. like golden rule stuff too, you know? Yeah, I definitely. Know. Yeah. We, that one's a little bit of the golden rule, I guess, for sure. But it's maybe, important to remember. Maybe it's different. Maybe if you're, I don't know, Jim, maybe if like you're a consultant, right? And I don't know, maybe you deal with clients and maybe some of them aren't that nice, but... I don't know. You still got to be a nice guy about it, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Lessons I learned early on, like, you know, you know, there's somebody once told me, I don't know, we had a problem early on in a company. Some other company treated us wrong. And, you know, I probably suggested to my boss, well, why don't we do this? And, you know, it wasn't like, you know, illegal or anything or immoral, but it was just kind of like, you know, we don't have to do that. That's fine. Let them get the project or whatever. It's just, you know, it's a small world. And that's what he said. He goes, Nick, there's only five people in this industry. Don't burn any bridges. 
And I really, you know, I, I nodded like I knew what he was talking about, but I had no idea. I'm like, five, like, who are they? I want their names. You know? <laughs> uh, no, and it, but it's just so true. And, you know, the whole small world thing and the burning bridges and you just, you cannot do that. You know, you just, I don't know. You just can't. It just yeah. I don't know. It's just like I said, things are so connected and you end up meeting people and seeing it and you'd hate for somebody to have a bad feeling because you spouted off one day about something or other because you thought you'd never work with that person again. I don't know. Yeah, it probably comes around a lot. I mean, like me personally, like there's some people that we've worked with, you know, as contractors, when you're on the phone with them, you just want to MF and, you know, just kind of, you know, let go off on them. But I don't, and I'm always, you know, nice and whatever, whatever. And it, I don't know. You have to be, right? Because you're working with them and being not nice isn't going to get you any further and it's probably going to make things worse at the end of the day. So, Well, the other side of the coin is sometimes being nice, you, you have to take the gloves off, right? Yeah. What are some of the reasons you want to do that? The number one reason for me, I don't get paid. Well, I yeah. I, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, really... Yeah. There are companies, way bigger companies than, you know, I mean, Fortune 100, 200, 300 that for whatever reason will give you every excuse in the book for not paying. And then when you tell them we're planning to lean your building, then they get their, you know, their nose out of joint and all of a sudden, you know, I'm the bad guy and why are you being such a jerk? I said, wait a second. Yeah. You know, oh, I've done jerk. this multiple times. I don't like to lean your building. You've given me everything from, you know, the AP never got the invoice and you know you've sent it seven times and you have re read receipts and, well, it has to go through this process. Okay, did I not do the work? Are you satisfied with the work? Yeah, but, you know, taking this course, you'll never do work for us again. I'm okay with that. I don't want to go through this course right. again. Right. Um, is, is that being not nice? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think so. Well, not everybody feels the same because, uh, you know, we get the, you can't do that. You'll never work for us again. That's okay. I, I, I mean, unfortunately. I was going to say, you know, obviously I think maybe, you know, let's be nice by default. And then there's going to be times where, you know, maybe you're like Mark said, you can't be nice if they're, you know, if it does get like a little bit confrontational like that, if someone's refusing to pay you, if you've obviously done your work and they don't even like dispute that and they're just, you know, being slow or just being difficult, um, you know, you still want to be professional and respectful, but you don't have to sugarcoat it. You'd be clear and upfront, kind of pulling some things from before this, you know, we were discussing this earlier in this podcast and, be direct, you know, maybe some people misinterpret being direct and disagreeable with not being nice, you know, that's their problem. I'm trying to think of an analogy because, you know, we, we do pretty good with our analogies on this podcast and I don't know what it, to me, it's almost like, and I, maybe this is a bad analogy and I can completely delete all of this, but, um, you know, like, and I don't know personally, but like when a parent yells at a child, when the child doesn't do something and the you know the kids like well why are you being so mean about it and it's like well I'm not it's you are the one that has not done whatever is needed and now I have to whatever I don't know that's my attempted analogy maybe it's a bad one 
No, that was a good one. There was something about General MacArthur or something. He say like uh, a lot of people thought. Eh, I can't remember what it I was. I thought it was going to be like I'd rather be feared than loved. Who said that? I thought that's what you were going to say. Oh, sounds geez. like Napoleon or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think it was MacArthur who said something like people thought I I was giving them hell or something, but I don't know. I was just telling them the truth, and they thought it was hell or something like that. <laughs> you know, so that kind of goes with that kid stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. that's I not the right as, analogy. As, yeah, well, maybe just uh, excerpt <laughs> off the last 45 seconds. But I think as a general rule, it's always good to be reasonable until the time comes when you need to be unreasonable. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. Always be nice, kids. That's yeah. what I tell my kids. I say, ABC, always be nice. And they go, what? <laughs> yep. Everything I have is like ABC. ABC, always eat your vegetables. <laughs> kids can't spell, but that's okay. <laughs> that's funny. So, um, last on my list, and then we'll see what maybe Mark has to add if he wants to add some things. But this one, this one made me, it made me chuckle, not in a way that like, I, I don't know. It's, we'll see what you, what you guys, our listeners think about this, but don't plan too much. Mm. I, I was like, I was like, Feels good. yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Don't plan too much. It's like liberating, right? Like, but I I agree. In a way, mm. in the, in the right extent, and Mark disagrees. But like, um, I don't know. Before I say my piece, Nick, what do you? I mean, Nick or Jim, what do you guys think? I, I think you know you, you always have to have a plan. Um, you know, part of planning is being prepared. I think you can't be. You know, I could I could already kind of anticipate where Mark's going to disagree with this, and I think it comes down to interpretations. Right. So what do you right. mean by don't plan much? And in my opinion, you, know, you always have to plan, and you always want to be prepared with a good plan. But the reality of life is, you know, my, one of my favorite quotes from Mike Tyson is, "Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face." <laughs> I love it. So that's great. You know, you could have this perfectly scheduled, you know, project Gantt chart and. Like if right. for a big project and everything perfectly planned, but if you haven't planned for like the unexpected or just be, being ready for it, being prepared to know that life, you know, comes at you and, you know, when you're in the real world, there's just so many unanticipated or even sometimes you, you could, you might know what could possibly come your way, um, issues, um, you know, you just have to be going into it knowing that yeah we have a plan but there's going to be disruptions to it we have to be prepared and ready and what are we going to do in case it does happen and maybe you know maybe in a way that goes into planning so that's why i said maybe it's yeah. what you interpret you know planning i guess i interpret as yeah you definitely want to have a plan but i would say be prepared and ready to acknowledge that this <laughs> probably not going to go to plan exactly as how you you planned it out so, um, I, and I kind of fall into it as like the, you know, when, when we say don't plan too much, I, like to me, it's the, like the, the day, the data, the daily tasks, like, okay, I'm going to go on site for, to do a task. I'm going to plan that out. Right. Like we're, 
starting up a drive or, you know, starting up an air handler or whatever. Like I'm going to plan that out to every little detail and try to think about everything that can go wrong so I can react to it and, you know, be ahead of the game. But like the daily thing, like I'm not going to be like, from eight to nine, I'm going to do this. And then from nine to nine 30, I'm going to do this. And then from nine 30 to nine 45, I need to do that. You know, I think maybe, and maybe that's where Nick was kind of falling on the don't plan too much thing. At least that's how I interpreted it. And I don't know what he has to say about that. Yeah, no, I've gone down, you know, deep into the, like Jim was saying with, with Gantt charts and, you know, printing them out and hanging them up on walls. And then like, you know, then you look at it and go, oh, I forgot this thing or this thing changed the gate. They can't do it this day. And you quickly realize, oh, this was stupid. You know, like planning everything out. But no, and I go, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you got to hit like a, some kind of place along the spectrum that works for actually what you do and what your tasks are for that given day. But yeah, you can go and plan every 15 minutes out or every half an hour or hour. Uh, but then when things go off track, like Jim said, you need to be flexible and adaptable and be able to pull things back in and, and you know, juggle things. But there is something also very liberating. And you guys have those days too where, you know, you got you got some things to do, but nothing hard and concrete and something maybe you thought you'd do in the morning. Eh, maybe you're going to do that in the afternoon because you're right. ahead of schedule, right? You've made your commitments. Nobody's expecting anything mm-hmm. today. So it's fine. And those days are wonderful too, because you're kind of going with. Maybe it depends on the work you do, but like I relate a lot to what Jim's saying with, you know, sometimes you need just to be in the flow of what you're doing, and you know, thinking is quite an underrated process that we all go through. And depending on what type of knowledge work you're doing, but there is a lot to be said for either isolation or just focus on something. But no, Nick, I agree with all that and I guess I just want to make a distinction maybe you know I was talking when I was saying more like about like big project planning and scheduling rather than like your daily just typical daily plan of how you're going to do your day um, and I don't want to downplay the importance of having a plan and a good schedule in the Gantt chart I think it's great in identifying critical paths and things that could be a problem if they were to come up um, I guess my point was more to ex- you know if you plan it out perfectly, just be ready. Yeah, you're going to be updating. It's most likely not. The Gantt chart is probably going to be edited and changed, and it's probably not going to go through the you know as planned with your first iteration of that chart. That was my biggest point. Was yeah, it's, you definitely need to have a plan, but don't uh, you know be expecting everything to go as planned perfectly, no matter how perfect your Gantt chart is. Well, and how many point. times have you made a Gantt chart and then said, okay, that's the plan, and then started doing it, and you, you don't look at the Gantt chart or touch it ever again or update it, or you know, you might as well just throw it out. I mean, it happens, right? I mean, this is what we're going to do this week and this week, and then you just the Gantt chart just goes away once you get into the job, and yeah, something else came up, and now everything got shuffled a little bit, and the Gantt chart's you know meaningless in a way. <laughs> And as much as I'm hating on it right now, I still think it's important. To stay yeah, yeah, it identifies the, the required tasks, but sometimes those required tasks get shuffled in in real life, you know, in construction. And you're not going to every day just update your Gantt chart. Maybe you just okay. I know we need to do this, 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 and this, and just check them off that in maybe not that original order. 
You're talking about a Gantt chart for a project. Yes. And I was thinking more like a Gantt chart for your whole life, you know, where your Gantt charts are built upon yep. another project too. That can get out of hand. And again, these are things I think you, I don't know, you learn I, and you kind of adapt to over time. There's that kind of sweet spot in between. <laughs> you know, I, I, like I'm very curious about how people just in all industries manage their time, keep track of their tasks, right? And I know there's a big thing with like, you know, just keeping a list of tasks and whatever to do or something in Microsoft. Yeah. But then, you know, my thing is always, well, then you got to always be finding some place for them to fit into your schedule somehow. Like, how do you just, you know, manage just, time to do these little to-do items? But, and again, if you get too, I don't know, down in the weeds and that, that can be very unfruitful at times. Yeah, every Monday morning I make a Gantt chart for the week. This is do what you? I'm doing. No, no, I didn't. Okay, you're so serious. I was about to change my <laughs> thing. Me too. What? Wow. What the hell? <laughs> you got to stop that. <laughs> but I think I, I was looking at it from a larger perspective, you know, that, hey, to say I don't plan, uh, that's not good. But it goes all the way back to the art of war, you know. I mean, Sun Tzu was very clear that any action without thought is either waste or risk. And if you don't plan, then your potential for success goes way down and your probability of losing a battle goes way up. I mean, it's that simple. The other side of it is, I think, especially as you gain experience and you you know, move forward in the industry, a plan may not be written down on paper, but it's fluid and in your mind and you go through a mental checklist to say, here's what I need to do. And, you know, yeah. these are the preparations I need to take. Great. But at my age, I write everything down. So I, there is, uh, you know, like it says in our outline, there's a sweet spot between planning and having no plan at all. Uh, and that's where you, you, you do. You have to, you have to live there. And different things you're doing require different types of plans, I guess. But Correct. I think the important thing was probably what Jim touched upon was, you know, if you put a lot of time into your plan and you think you've thought through everything and it's this is a rock-solid plan and you don't admit that things could change, when things do change and they do, it can really upset your plan and then you have no way to really adjust because you didn't even think that was possible. Right. And take oh. it down from a project, yeah. you know, view to that day on site clean. You know, when you're going to start up something, still something will come up. You know, it always <laughs> does. And you just got to yeah. you got to accept that and be able to adapt and adjust. Mm -hmm. And it, it goes back to one of our previous podcasts. We had one on just being prepared. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we had discussed like, well, how much time should you spend preparing? And you know, it kind of goes to that. If you spend six months building a Gantt chart and planning out everything, you know, every single moment of the project on this giant Gantt chart, you know, it's probably a waste of time and resources. Like, you know, your time and your resources are scarce. So you have to figure out the most optimal way to, you know, plan. That being said, I've rarely found myself where someone's over planned a job it's usually it's usually the other way that's fun um, that's interesting to think so about while i while i keep <laughs> yeah while i keep you know 
saying that you know you don't want to overplan. My experience is that most people underplan. So, so that, that just means they're listening because nobody overplans. <laughs> they get the message. So um, I got something, uh, an alternative perspective to this, I guess. So <laughs> sometimes I feel like that when you do plan everything out really well, like it, you know, if you're going to say this is going to take X amount of time, and then I'm going to do this, and then do this, you find yourself like really sticking to that plan, which, which isn't a bad thing, but you like, you, you know, you hear the phrase like, um, plan your work and work your plan or whatever. Like I, I said, this is going to take me six hours, but I finished it in four, but I said it was going to take six. So I got two free hours now to do nothing. Well, no, like go fishing. <laughs> well, yeah no. but you know you know what i'm saying like well, sometimes I, you make things take as long as you plan them to take and where oh, you could true i don't know like but go that, to the go to the war fighters all right the u.s military and all you know all branches all have some uh adjective or derivative of every battle plan changes the moment the first shot's fired right and you you have to know that and yeah you have to be adaptable in the construction of your plan. So we have slack time and we have a critical path and the critical path may shift as tasks either become accomplished, delayed or completed ahead of schedule. Right. I agree with that too. I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> I'm just letting that wash over me. That was good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally right. Yeah. I mean, completely right. And, I'm yeah. I mean, I was, yeah. I don't know. I was thinking more just like the day to day, not like a project specific tasks either. Like when I when I do the war analogy, I like I think of it as like we're doing a project, and like my day to day is not a war. It's a just a I don't know. You know what I mean? Oh, that's where you're wrong, son. <laughs> well, no, it's not. I'm not in battle every day. Okay, okay, so I'll give you an analogy. All right. Yeah. I'm plowing the snow. But yeah, easy, right? I have yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a pretty good sized tractor. I'm plowing yeah. the snow, All's and good. everything's happening. You know, it's a, a a blade on the back of the tractor. You have to push, go backwards, blah blah blah. Going down the driveway, all of a sudden, tractor's in the ditch. I look, one wheel's off the rim. I have no nothing that I can pull it out with. Yep. All right, so mm -hmm. that plan went to hell in a handbasket in seven seconds flat. Right. So now it's a it's a Saturday morning about eleven o'clock. It's fifteen degrees out. I have to jack the tractor up in the snow, get the wheel off, find somebody that can get this odd size tube to put in. I mean that was a hmm. Oh no. We lost him right there. He's in yeah. the ditch. Is Mark? <laughs> is he yeah. he's still on, oh there he is he's oh, still on the podcast we lost true. you mark sorry well it's probably a bad analogy anyway no we were just saying we thought it was pretty good and it made me think how few times things often go according to plan right don't they? it's it's i mean it's so, you, it's so you go much back and amazed when like i like i do plan to do some task and say that should take about two and a half hours, just scheduling in general, right? And then you get done and you look at your watch and go like, wow, 
with five minutes to spare, you know? And you feel good about it. Like, wow, that took exactly how long I thought it would take. And you should feel good about it, right? Because it rarely happens because you're always going to go into the ditch in some form or fashion. <laughs> That's right. Right? Huh. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, so was this the be nice one or the don't plan too much? Okay. Don't plan don't too, too much. much. The anti-planners. That's what we are. Oh, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was I'm, I'm not on that page. Years ago, oh, the <laughs> anti-plan. Yes, to make it sound like you really had a plan, but you really had no plan. Yeah, that did not go well those couple of days. <laughs> couple of done. days, I like that, yeah. <laughs> you experiment with things, but yeah. slack time is good. That was another good takeaway for me there, you know. Yeah. Nothing wrong with being ahead of schedule or... Nothing wrong with just thinking through your plan. I agree. <laughs> with that, what else do we add to this podcast? Are there more so, more so I items? Have a, I have some just words of wisdom, especially for young people. You mm-hmm. know, that I, I, maybe it's not even words of wisdom, I'm but it's self-evident. Mark. So all of these things are habits. Yeah. They're habits. So laziness, disorganization, procrastination, bad habits. So don't do it. Disagree. Okay. What genetic procrastination? It's it's got a bad rap, but let's continue. Timeliness, efficiency, operating in good faith, truthfulness, organization—those are all habits, right? Adopt good habits. Practice good habits. It gets easier. You'll be more productive. You'll be more efficient. I, I mean. Those are some of the keys to really put in the rules that we've gone through today in place. Just start and continue and do it over and over and over again. I, I think agree. It's beautiful. Words of wisdom. The whole thing should be retitled, you know, like basic whatever best practices. Uh, habits, just good habits, you know. They are. They're <laughs> habits. Right. It yeah. doesn't like muscles, right? Habits, and you got to, it's a cycle to make a habit, right? You have your, what's like, you know, a cue, and you do the habit, and then you have a reward that comes from that habit, which could be, you know, satisfying work that was done, time in your schedule, you met your commitments, all that. But you're right, all of these things can be uh, habitualized. Correct. Yeah, being right's a pretty good habit of mine. Oh, so, we noticed and, that. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but being right is an outfall of it being is. prepared and doing the work. Exactly. I agree completely. That That's yeah. like, yeah, by making these habits, you will find yourself being right more. If, if sometimes you're not because you, you, you're organized and you're prepared and, you know, you planned and all that stuff. And then you're going to be like, wow, I was right. Well, yeah, because all your framework, your foundation is strong now, you know, so. Yeah, that's like the only one that would really not be a habit. Yeah, know? yeah, but it's an out, yeah. like Mark said, it's an outfall of the habits. Oh, so. It's, it's the, the fruit, the fruit of the labor. Absolutely. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. When you get to hear someone say, yeah, you were right. It's all worth it. Mm-hmm. Damn. And with with that, what do you guys that, think? That was we, a lot of add-ons there, Mark. That was good. Should we um, 
should we wrap this episode up? We're, we're probably... I'm at my time limit. Yeah, I, I agree. We're at our time limit. Yeah. So um, thanks for tuning in, guys. And thanks, Jim, Nick, and Mark for your insight to this. Hopefully, as listeners, you took something away from this episode. I know we kind of... We definitely switched gears from our previous episodes, but thought this would be insightful just to, you know, to have the discussion, to get our viewpoints, and hopefully you agreed with us. And if you disagreed or you had something else to add, throw it in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great day.